Hello, and welcome to the Mercy and Grace Ministries podcast. This is a show for those who desire to be ignited in their faith through the trials of life. We will inspire you with powerful, life-transforming stories, energize you with biblical truths, and give you the tools to connect into what God has for you. Join us in this journey as we think as we laugh, and as we grow in a deeper relationship with Christ together. Welcome, everyone, to the Mercy and Grace Ministries podcast, episode number one. My name is Eric Mueller, and I will be your host. This is a show for those who want to be inspired, energized, and connected to what God has for them. I am uniquely qualified to lead you in this topic as God brought me from the depths of meth addiction and jail to the pulpit of prison in his plan as a pastor to prisoners. Now, I didn't plan on being a prison preacher. That wasn't in my wheelhouse. That wasn't in my thoughts. In fact, I spent the first 27 years of my life trying to stay out of jail and prison. Now it seems God is laying the path for the next 27 years for me to get back in. What a huge blessing that is. I am part of a wonderful ministry called Mercy and Grace Ministries led by Pastor Chris Mullen. Now, disclaimer here, Chris Mullen is not the basketball player. Last time I checked, the basketball player did not have five years of prison in his resume. Uh, Definitely not there. But Pastor Chris started this ministry to give back to a place he once was. And he does that through bringing hope, love, and encouragement to the incarcerated. Today, we serve in 13 state prisons and four juvenile facilities. We're in two regions, San Francisco, and now launching in Fresno to better serve the nine prisons down near in the Fresno region. We bring the word of God in through church services, Bible studies, and cell to cell visits. God is growing the ministry. Uh, we have active volunteers across these different prisons going in and doing church services. Today, uh, Last year, we did, in 2017, we did about 425 church services behind prison walls, and we're seeing the fruit in the ministry, what God is doing. Now, part of my own life is I never thought I'd be in prison ministry. I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing today, but God had another plan. I always struggle with the question is, is God, how are you going to use my story? God, how, what's your will for my life? And I asked that question. And, and as I uh, unpacked that kind of concept of God, what is your will for my life? I started to understand what is God's will. I under, started to understand what is uh, his desire for my life and how is he going to use the story of my life to help other people? And I would ask the question, God, what is your will for my life? How are you going to use my story? And I read Blackaby, and Blackaby wrote Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby. What it's the right question that he said to ask is, God, what is your will for my life? He said, That's the wrong question. And he said, The right question is, God, where is your will being done, and how do I plug into it? Meaning, God's will is being done everywhere. His spirit is manifesting through people, and they are performing his will. And as they perform his will, his works are being done through his people to move God's mission forward. And how do I align my life into that mission? How do I align my life into his will where it's being done? 
and how do I make that my reality? And that's what this podcast today is going to be about. It's about the framework process to understand is how do we move into these works of service? How do we move into the will of God? We're not going to unpack what is the will of God and and go through all of that, but we are going to, we will do that ultimately as we go through this podcast, Learning and Growing Together. Do you ask yourself that question, God, what is your will for my life? Do you ask that question? And we want to kind of flip that framework question and say, what is your will and how do I connect into it? So we're going to talk about the process to connect into God's will. That's what we're going to cover in today's episode. I will unpack here my story and the framework process of how God worked in my story. And I we came up with a seed model to to put the framework process in connecting and being deployed into the work of ministry. And, and it's really the process of my life and how God used me and grew me and and equipped me to do this ministry in prisons, something I didn't see, and I'll get into that with my story. Now, my why. Why, am, why do I get up every day? What in me drives me to get up every day? My why is to ignite the fire of hope in people so they can spark the change in others. And my how is to inspire, to energize, to connect. Our goal is to inspire you through stories in this podcast, to energize you with scripture and teaching surrounding how those stories give us the tools uh, in learning how God works in the midst of our story and scripture to combine these things together so we can learn from other people, so we can learn from what we go through and how God uses that in scripture and in our life to move his mission forward and connect ultimately into this prearranged plan that God has for you individually. Everyone's different, obviously, in this. So uh, that's the beauty of this. We're all on our own journey together. Uh, We're on our own journey individually, but we're also come together in that journey so we can live, learn, and grow together. How do I live into the plan or mission that God has for me? I believe we gain clarity into the plan in these four areas. So the four areas that we're going to discuss is who he is, who God is, and I think we have to come to that understanding of who God is, and we understand who God is through his promises. So one promise is in 1 John 1, nine says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is a promise. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, he will forgive us. Uh, of uh, of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And that's a promise I can stand on in understanding who God is. How about Deuteronomy 31, 8? The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. That just gives me hope in all situations, no matter how difficult, how hard they are, I can stand on his promises and say that God is with me. He's going before me. He's laying the path as I live this life to seek him, to understand who he is, to understand his promises, to understand his character that is revealed through his promises. Because remember, his character is revealed through his promises. Think about it. If you say that you're going to be somewhere 
and you show up and the other person looks at you and they'll deem your character that you're reliable. You show up when you say you're going to do something. And that's the same with God is we have to understand who he is by his promises. We have to understand how he works by what he does. And that reveals his character. And we just want to connect into that through relationship and understanding him, reading our word in prayer, seeking him, seeking to have a a deeper knowledge of him, but take that knowledge and write it down to our heart as we believe that what he says uh, is what he's going to do. And so that gives us a greater understanding of who God is, what his mission is, and we start to unfold this this, uh, idea of who God is. And it gives us the hope that we need to hold on to to move his mission forward as we learn and grow in him. And that's kind of what took place in my life. I had to have that deep relationship. And we're talking nine years of being in a Bible, the same Bible study, uh, and many years after that, once we broke off from that study, but nine years of connecting to him, understanding him, learning about him, living the life, falling down, getting up, understanding how God works. And that was a process. So this is a process. Now, the second part of this is what I am in him, what I am in God. And this comes down to identity. I am not who I used to be. I am not that broken down, meth addicted person that I used to be. I am a new creation in Christ. And that's a promise as well, that I am a new creation in Christ. And for me, identity just comes down to what I stand on. Uh, as it relates to my foundation. And I stand on who Christ tells me I am. I'm a son. I am uh, uh, a a beloved son, the word says. So I stand on that truth as saying, man, I'm on that boat. I am going to I'm going to sail in that boat as a beloved son. I'm not going to sail in what the world tells me or what you think of me or what you say about me. I'm not going to stand for any of those things. I'm going to stand for what the Bible tells me. I am. And that's so important in this process that there are going to be people that say things about you because of your claim of faith. They're going to call you this. They're going to call you that. And just remember, uh, you are a child of God and you're moving the mission forward and you're on a huge mission that God is calling you to if you're in this process. So don't worry about the naysayers. Don't worry about what people say about you. Just remember who you are in him. How about what he says? That's the next part of this, what he says. It's important that I know the commands. If he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as we see in Matthew 29, 18, I have to take this literally and and make this a reality in my life by the power of God working and laying the path ahead of me in faith, I'm doing this. But I have to know what he says. I have to know his commands. I have to know what he is calling me to do. Why do I have to know that? Because obedience means that I'm following it. And that's the last part of this four-part concept to connect into the plan of God is what do I do in obedience to him? What are my actions surrounding the command? Do I just turn my back uh, when things get tough? Or do I connect deeper into him saying, God, you're leaving the way. You're guiding me in this process. It's difficult, but you said to do this and I'm moving your mission forward and you're working your mission 
in me. So those are things we want to keep in mind as we, we, we go through this process of understanding how do we align our lives into God's plan. The seed model is something that we came up with for Mercy and Grace to train our volunteers. And it's a it's just a, a process to get activated and deployed into the mission that God has for you, using your giftings, understanding what your giftings are, understanding these components that we talk about in the seed model. And I'm going to tell my story weaved into the seed model, but I just want to talk about the seed. Why is the seed important? The seed is a baby plant. And as that baby plant gets planted, it has to go into fertile soil. So think of a tree that kicks off a seed and it has to fall into fertile soil, but it needs external resources, water, nutrients. It needs other resources to grow. And that's how we work with this taking in the seed of Christ in our life. But the difference between the two seeds is one will die and one will never die. And we see this in, in 1 Peter 1.23. For you have been born again, not of the seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God, imperishable seed. So once we take Christ in our life, it's the imperishable seed. It will never die. It lives on. It has external resources. That is called heaven. God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus working, guiding, and moving us forward. So we need those external resources, and that's why connecting into him is so important. The, the real question is, what seed are you sowing each and every day? Are you sowing the seed of the world, the seed that will die, the hate, the separation? Uh, or are you sowing the seeds of the kingdom, which we know to be those seeds that will bring unity, that will bring hope, that will bring love, that will bring joy, and produce the right fruit in our lives and present the right fruit to, to others. Remember, the whole part of this kingdom work in our life is so we can grow in Christ, so we can grow in him, and the fruit tree starts to become abundant in our life. And the goal of the fruit to grow in our life is that seed is implanted in us. It's bearing fruit and we see fruit in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of love, the fruit of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I know as I'm, a, as I'm growing in those things, as my life starts to change as a result of the fruit becoming evident in my life and uh, walking around with a, with a smile on the difficult times, sharing the love when I'm busy and I see someone on the street, that homeless guy who just needs a... a just a recognition or something, you name the situation where we can present the fruit of the gospel and take that piece of fruit off of our fruit tree and put it on the lips for someone to taste the sweetness of the kingdom of God. And that's how we do it. That's how we take heaven and bring it to earth through the production of fruit and handing that out to the believer and the unbeliever, of course, to give them hope for what God is doing in our life. So that's the seed. The seed model is the framework. And I'm going to go through my story and talk about the seed model and how that works. So we have the imperishable seed in us. So the seed model is something we came up with four key areas that we must know about to move into being deployed into God's mission. And that model uh, acronym is sanctified, equipped, empowered, and deployed. Big words, but we're going to break them all down. I'm going to break them down in my story as well. And I'm going to do a little teaching in the midst of that. Sanctification. 
Sanctification is the first part of the seed model. It means it means to be made holy. First, I was positionally made right when Christ came into my life and I said yes to him. I was 12 years old and I committed my life to Christ. I didn't know exactly what that meant, but I felt that there was something there. And the problem was I didn't move into the realm of the next part of sanctification. So I said yes to Christ at 12, got baptized, and I was on fire for the moment until I went back to school and just started living my life the same way. I was already on the path to doing drugs. Uh, I was already on the path to drinking at a young age, 12 years old. I was taking acid at school and just doing stupid, stupid stuff. But I knew God was there and I knew I was already on the wrong path because I, I went to these church camps to understand him, know him, to move away from that life. But progressively, I did not do his work every single day. Day, I did not connect to him. I didn't read his word. I didn't pray. Uh, I didn't go through this process of, of, of making a daily decision to set myself apart from the life I was living. So that's the second part of sanctification is progressive sanctification. The first is positional. By what, by my, by my profession of faith in Christ, I'm positionally made right. I believe God moved in my life during that time. I said yes to him. And then I, I, through that part, I was set apart, made holy, sanctified by the blood of Christ by claiming him. The scripture says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. And that's in Romans. And then progressively that I have to make that a reality by just setting myself apart from the world. I didn't do that. I kept on partying, kept on just living my life. And then the third part of sanctification we'll just throw in there, which is ultimate. That just means I'm on holy ground. It's final. There is no more there, there's, there is no more higher realm of sanctification. You're standing on holy ground in front of God in heaven. Now, I claim the name of Christ, but I did not live the life. Are you truly set apart, or are you just claiming the name of Christ, but not living in the newness of life you are called to? That just means that the fruit that you're bearing is, is the fruit of the world. The seed is in you, but you're bearing a different fruit. And uh, that can happen, and and that that can definitely happen to people who are not connected into His Word, His prayer, not understanding how God works, not understanding His script, the Scripture, not understanding His promises, not standing on those promises, but putting their hook of hope into the world. Oh, I got to get that job, that money, because that's going to bring me this satisfaction. Always looking for satisfaction in a different place besides just being in God. And I that was me. I look for satisfaction in drugs. I look for satisfaction in alcohol. I look for satisfaction in every other pleasure that I can gain from the world, thinking that would bring me to this place where I am finally satisfied because I got that thing that I was chasing. Unfortunately, the things of the world do not bring uh, that satisfaction. You will always chase and chase, chase emptiness looking for satisfaction. So the newness of life is understanding I'm not running this show. I'm submitted to God. I'm submitted to his character. I'm submitted to his promises and I'm submitted to his mission. I moved to Fresno to move this mission forward. God called me to Fresno three years ago. Clearly he said, this is where I want you when I was down at a training. And I'm like, Lord Fresno, really? Not that Fresno is a horrible place. I thought that when I first came down here, but I got to tell you, it's a wonderful place. And I, I love living in Fresno, and, 
And uh, you wouldn't think Fresno to be a destination city where you'd want to move from the Bay Area anyways, but when God calls, you move. And that's what I did. I'm here in Fresno, and I love it. Great leadership in this town, Christian leadership, which is amazing. This is known as the Bible Belt of California, if you didn't know that. Surprising detail for me. Uh, Sure, there's a lot of crime, but I tell you what, there is a church pretty much Every other block, you can find a church or a community or or an ad on TV about a church or just a lot of stuff going on here, and I'm loving living in Fresno. There's nine state prisons within uh, an hour and a half, so I'm loving that as well. All right, so my story, the highlights. I was drinking and drugging by 12 years old. Off the hook, crazy, chaotic life already at 12 years old. Just think, if you have kids, look at your 12-year-old. That age, I was running craziness, uh, drinking, uh, smoking pot, taking acid, going to school, just running amok already. I was addicted to cocaine by 17. I was already dealing cocaine and, and drugs through high school, and I barely graduated high school, but I pulled it off by the grace of God. By 19, I was already working in the culinary arts. I was a professional chef, and I started to go to culinary school, and I had already taken on uh, cocaine just stopped working after a while, and I started to graduate into the more intense drug, and that intense drug was methamphetamines. Now, methamphetamines, uh, it is a, uh, a pretty powerful drug, and working long shifts and going to school, uh, at culinary school, that was the drug du jour. So we stayed up many a nights, and uh you know, cooked our butts off. I was working in a restaurant. I was going to school 14 hour days, 16 hour days on my feet, staying up all night. And, uh, man, I tell you, it was uh, brutal. It was fun. I got to admit there were some fun parts in there, but not fun overall, especially at the age of 27 when the Pleasanton police actually thought I needed a vacation. So they picked me up and brought me to the lovely Alameda County Resort Community in Dublin, California, also known as Santa Rita Jail. How do you like me now? Yes, I ended up in Santa Rita Jail, and I remember sitting in that white box cell going, oh God, help me, is this really what my life is going to be? And I knew doing drugs where I was, I was unemployable. I couldn't stop and I needed help. Something had to change and I knew God was there ready for me to come back to him. I knew God was there the whole time. I prayed to him during the rough times, but I just wasn't willing to make the change. But rehab gave me that opportunity to change. So off to rehab I go. So this is pretty crazy because I'm in now. I was in with old dirty bastard. I don't know if you remember him, but he died of a cocaine a crack overdose. I I don't know the whole story, but he was part of the Wu Tang uh, crew, and I was in with him and many other famous people. I not to give up their anonymity because it is a program of anonymity, but uh, ODB unfortunately has passed away. So, but I'm in rehab. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm I'm. Connecting to the NA program, going to meetings, and and God is just working in my life, and God is starting to reveal himself, and God is starting to show up, and it was just a great time to look at my life and say, man, this is a destructive path I was on, but God has another plan, and I started to get clean, and it was awesome. Now, I taught myself computers as a tweaker. 
I was a dumpster diving tweaker. I used to dumpster dive for computers and then I would tear them apart, rebuild them. And if they made it out the door for me to give to other people, that was great. But mainly they just got stuck in my rafters with about 300 other computers that I had rebuilt, uh, tweaked out on. But here's the deal. I taught myself computers. And what a powerful thing that happened for God to use my chaos, the chaos of my life in in doing what I was doing all night long, tweaking out on computers, learning about programs, learning about computers, to take that and translate that into a career. That's God. That's how God works. Let me take your total debauchery, your crazy chaotic life, and let me use what you went through uh, to to give me glory. And walking through that process, I was just out of rehab, and I go into a temp agency to get a job and I get a job. Uh, they hooked me up with a company called Exo Communications and I started to work. Exo ultimately hired me on instead of being a temp, a temp worker. Three years later, I was moved to Colorado. I was managing 20 people and life was good. I wasn't connected back to the church and finally God called me back to the Bay Area and I got to work with my brother. My brother was in the mortgage business and uh, so I moved back to the Bay Area and my parents were there. My my mom was going to church at the time. My uh, So I was connecting with her a little bit. But I started going to church and I started plugging into a Bible study. Now this is the pivotal point in my life right here is connecting into a Bible study. So now my life is looking a little more sanctified. I am a little more set apart. I'm not doing the things that I was doing, but I wasn't fully committed. I wasn't in that progressive realm of sanctification where I was just doing it every single day. Because I was still chasing, you know, this career, the money, thinking I was putting putting my hook of hope into those things instead of my hook of hope into God and his plan. I was still connected into the world, thinking that would produce the satisfaction that I was looking for, What where the satisfaction was replacing the drugs were the satisfaction for a while. But once I hit jail, those didn't become satisfying anymore. And so now I needed to take my satisfaction and put it in other things. And it became food. It became the career. And then I started to connect into a Bible study and going to men's retreat. I started to be equipped and learning some concepts like Ephesians 4, 12. And he gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And all that means for me is I was being equipped. I didn't know exactly for what, because I was just saying, God, how are you going to use my story for your glory? That's what was my big thing. Very cliche. But I used to say that, but I was being prepared along in the Bible study. I was being equipped in leadership. We started to do conferences. I started to uh, go into leadership at Cornerstone Fellowship. We were doing uh, conferences, Guys would come and we do. We get some national speakers to come in and we do these conferences. I was planning the men's retreats and I was learning about putting on big events. And uh, I look back and God was equipping me for the job I do now with Mercy and Grace. I learned scripture. I learned how to teach. I learned how to be a, uh, live the Christian life by others, by watching them, by being discipled by them. I never pictured myself as a teacher, but looking back, God had been planting the seeds along the way. I was going to a men's retreat every single year, and one year our men's pastor put this quirky guy into our cabin. His laugh was seriously so contagious. It went something like this. <laughs> and it was it was just ring through the whole place, and you would know him from a mile away by his loud voice. But Pastor Chris Mullen 
is the founder of Mercy and Grace Ministries, and he told his story at this retreat, and I was like, man, this guy has the same story as me, and look what God, how God is using him. God is propelling his mission forward through Pastor Chris Mullen. He was serving in his calling, something I was praying for. I was invited to the fundraising dinners in 2009 and 2010, and then in 2011, Chris asked me to help plan the dinner for Mercy and Grace, and this is one of their biggest fundraisers of the year. So by 2012, I was on the board of the ministry. I also started a new job as the vice president of operations for an IT company. Both challenges were new and exciting. At the latter part of 2012, after being on the board for about a year, we started to grow, started to uh, really reshape the ministry back end. And that's what I thought I was going to be doing, just the business side of the ministry. But God had other plans. So Chris asked me, hey, you're on a board of a prison ministry I want you to go in with me. So I started at San Quentin doing Christmas caroling. Wow, powerful experience, standing on the tiers, singing out Christmas carols to a five-story tall tier with about 50 cells uh, long. And it was just an, uh, and five stories tall, 50 cells each story. It was crazy singing out to the guys as they came out of their cells and listened to about, about 100 people singing Christmas carols. Powerful experience. And then the other experience I had was Chris invited me into Soledad. I got cleared, went to training, and I walk into Soledad State Prison. And before we got there, Chris asked me to share my testimony. And I'm like, okay, I can pull that off. And, uh, you know, he gave me no notice, of course. Thanks for coming out. And so we go into prison and I walk in and we walk down this long, you walk through a Sally Port of two just steel doors and then uh, they're barred doors. And then you walk into this long hallway at Soledad and it's full of this colorful art as you walk down. And then there's all of these doors that are connected to this hallway. And this hallway is probably uh, right to left, probably a quarter mile or longer, just huge. And all of the different cell blocks are connected to that. It's the old style prison. But we walk down and then we enter the chapel and we walk into the chapel and there is about 125 inmates sitting in this service and music and, I mean, band, piano, killer. I mean, just unbelievable music behind prison walls. And so they're just playing music and and guys start to fill in. And I'm kind of nervous now. I'm like, wow, man, this is crazy. So Chris introduces me. I get up. I give my testimony. All is good. I sit back down. And then... Chris goes up, delivers a sermon, and then stops. He ends his sermon, and the guys had changed the service. The service times had changed, and Chris didn't know it, so they ended 15 minutes early. So the guys were telling him, Chris, you got 15 more minutes. Keep going. And so Chris looks at me, and he goes, Eric, you have 15 more minutes. Now, I tell you what, my fear just instantaneously came upon me, and I I didn't know what I was going to tell these guys, but God had a plan in the midst of that moment where purpose met opportunity. And that's a key thing. Purpose will meet opportunity every single time if you're willing to take your fears and put them aside and step into the spirit in that moment and say, God, I trust you. You have a plan in this and step forward into maybe what is going to be your calling. And that's what happened to me. I stepped forward in faith that God was going to speak. I didn't, I seriously didn't have anything. God started putting stuff on my mind as I walked up to the microphone And he delivered a word and a guy came up to me after and said, man, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. Thank you. Thank you for coming. And I tell you what, after that, I was hooked. 
I didn't realize I could do what I did standing at that pulpit is my first time doing that. But when God has a calling and a plan, he'll reveal it to you along the way and he'll give you the tools and resources to make it become a reality. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean you're going to step into the pulpit and be this great preacher. I'm not saying that that's your story. I'm saying that God will give you the resources, stand on those resources, stand in his word, in prayer, in faith that he can move mountains in what he's going to do through you. And remember, it's God doing the work. We don't claim that as our own. We claim, we give him the glory for the work that he's doing in our life. And that's my story. God started to give me the opportunity. Chris started to relinquish the pulpit time. And I started to preach uh, in prison starting in 2013. And God prepared me along the way. And the Holy Spirit empowered me through the giftings that he gave me. And that leads us to the next part of the seed model. So we've talked about sanctification. I got to be set apart from sin. I couldn't be a meth addict going into prison and teaching. I couldn't be not set apart from sin in my every single day life, although I fall short, but I'm talking about perpetual sin I'm living in where I have, it's undealt with, right? I've dealt with the sin in my life. I've asked God for forgiveness for the stupidity I used to do. I've been set apart and made holy by the blood of Christ. And so God uh, equipped me for my calling by nine years of Bible study. God equipped me for that moment where I stood at the pulpit. And then he empowers me with his spirit. Now, I just want to read this little thing about systematic theology and the definition of the spirit. The spirit originates, maintains, develops, and guides the new life that is born from above is nourished from above and will be perfected above a life that is heavenly in principle though lived on earth by a special operation the holy spirit over and overcomes and destroys the power of sin renews man in the image of god and enables him to render spiritual obedience to god to be the salt of the earth the light of the world and the spiritual leaven in every sphere of life. So we are empowered by the Spirit, and the Spirit originates, maintains, and develops and guides us into this new life. So we take the heavenly principles, and by the power of the Spirit, we can live this life empowered by the Spirit. But the Spirit also gives us giftings, and the giftings are uh, another key part of this. What is your spiritual gift? There are many, many spiritual gifts out there. The gift of administration, the gift of, uh, the gift of evangelism, the gift of teaching, the gift of leadership, and it goes on and on and on. You can take a gifting test by by te- uh, by going onto Google and just searching out spiritual giftings. And so, once you learn your giftings, it's it's uh, it's a good thing to understand what your giftings are. And just see what God, how God has wired you, because God has wired you in a certain way to reach a certain group of people. And God wired me. He used my story. He used my chaotic life to be able to move it forward today to give those that are incarcerated hope and to show them that a life of drugs and alcohol and jail can be turned into moving forward into his mission and God can use that to glorify him. And he's done that through my life using prison ministry as the platform, something I didn't see. 
So that moves you into the final part of the seed model, which is just the deployment phase. God moves you into the deployment phase, and that's what he did for me. He deployed me into my mission. He deployed me into my calling, something I did not see uh, would happen. And the fruit now is evident in my life where the ministry is growing, God is growing me, and I'm still learning along the way. But God deployed me into his mission. God deployed me into the field of ministry. People were already doing ministry, the prison ministry, the, you know, it goes back to biblical terms. Go, it basically tells us to go visit those who were in prison. So this is not a new concept. It's just a concept I had to plug into and, and God revealed revealed how I could do that through Pastor Chris Mullen and Mercy and Grace and gave me the foundation. Now I moved to Fresno. Uh, I work a full-time job in IT, but I also preach on the weekends. I work in the mornings and and do some ministry uh, stuff in the morning. So, you know, God has given me this great opportunity to light the fire of hope in people. And I want to spend every waking hour of my life to help spark the change in others. And that's why I'm doing this podcast, because I think it's important to see how God works in life and how you can connect to his will and watch what God does in your life. So that's it for today's podcast. Just a quick review, the seed model, sanctified, equipped, empowered, and deployed. Look where you are in that process. If you're just in sanctification where you haven't accepted Christ in your life, you're just listening to this podcast uh, to see what's up, then that's great. Maybe pick up a Bible and read John. Read John and read through John and uh, read John 1 and and just see what, what God does and how he speaks to you. But if you're a person who is being equipped and and empowered, but you haven't been deployed yet, look at where your spiritual giftings are and looking look for those opportunities to be deployed into those giftings that God has for you. And maybe it's not about being a, a preacher, although if that's your calling, oh, great. But it's about where do I start? Where does my ministry start? Where am I going to be deployed? And sometimes it's just being deployed in your home, just at your home with your kids being a spiritual leader at your house if you're a dad uh, or or the leader, a spiritual leader of the house. And if you are a man, you are called to be the spiritual leader. Um, if you're a woman, maybe you're getting into uh, to help women deal with issues that you've dealt with historically in the past. And so maybe you've dealt with uh, breast cancer, for one example, and you can help lead those who are just diagnosed I don't know what your calling is, but I know that God has a mission designed for you to reach a people group, and God has gifted you with giftings to be able to use those giftings to move his mission forward, and that's how we connect into God's mission. So be blessed. I love you guys. We thank you for supporting Mercy and Grace Ministries and our podcast, and we'll have many more episodes to come in the future. So have a great day. God bless.